0: From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians.
1: This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to the Olympic Day celebration on the Olympics.com podcast. Tom and company here focusing on the let's move mantra. Not only a key component in any training for any sport, but also so crucial to reaching and maintaining our physical and mental health. The human body helps us all out, releasing endorphins, you know, that natural workout high we get about 10 or 15 minutes into any exercise. The old mantra, physical health promotes better mental health, is alive and well and more important than ever. You know, breaking is all about let's move, making its Olympic debut coming up at the Paris 2024 Summer Olympics. I do a lot of live commentary of this exciting energetic expression of sport and art on our Olympic Channel live streams. Let me tell you, if you haven't seen a breaking event, you're missing an incredible experience where movement, style, musicality and peak conditioning are all crucial to a B-boy or B-girl's success. To help us get going now, we're about to bring in the number one ranked B-boy in the world, Phil Kim, a.k.a. B-boy Phil Wizard. Full
0: medal goes to
1: Phil Wizard! Not only the reigning WDSF, that's World Dance Sport Federation World Champion, but Phil Wizard has been rolling through his recent battles, winning breaking events in Montpellier, France, and Santiago, Chile, picking up money and points, leading the breaking Olympic qualification points chase. But we're also lucky to be joined by B Girl Candy, who's found another path to success around this breaking universe after growing up doing dance battles. Olympics.com podcast. So, without further ado, we bring in the Breakers. B Girl Candy is an accomplished hip hop dancer, choreographer. She's judged breaking events, and her most important labor of love, she'll tell us, is the mother of two delightful girls. And lately, I can tell you a very talented commentator joining me on several of our Olympic channel live streams of breaking events around the world. Good to see you again, Candy. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us.
2: Thank you for having me, Tom. As always, it's always great to be pairing up with you and learning so much within this uh, landscape of the Olympics and commentating. So it's been really awesome. And also to highlight uh, these amazing breakers. So I'm happy to be
1: here. And, uh, he is royalty around the breaking world right now. Reigning world champ on fire with wins lately and leads the, uh, the Olympic qualifying points race, uh, right now, uh, Phil Kim, AKA B-Boy Phil Wizard. So cool to have you both with us to do this deep dive into this amazing new Olympic sport that has its roots on the streets of New York city. I love that. Uh, Phil, uh, again, thanks for taking a few minutes and, uh, Uh, just informing us and educating all of us about uh, what's going on and uh, just watching you has been a joy. So my first question is, you know, it's kind of obvious for, you know, it's out there. Is this a sport or a form of art? And I'll start with Phil and then, you know, Candy, you can jump in also.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, is it a sport versus art? This has kind of been a big debate for a long time. I feel like uh, all I can do is answer my kind of personal opinion. Um, for me, honestly, at the end of the day, it's just a label. Like for me, breaking is a culture. It's a part of hip hop culture. Um, I've always kind of pursued it and seen it as an art form, but it is, it is extremely athletic. And I think the kind of debate on whether it's sport or art just kind of shows the the diversity of breaking in itself, that it can transcend those, uh, different realms and it can kind of go through different, uh, movements and, in different areas. Um, I don't think it really matters to be honest, like for me at the end of the day, it's a label. I've always seen it more first and foremost as a culture and an art form, but the fact that it's getting into the sport realms just opens up more opportunities for a lot of breakers around the world. Um, there's prior to this, Um, obviously people have been doing this their entire lives and people uh, push hard to make a living off of this. And just going into the sport realm opens up different opportunities for a lot of people competitively. And so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So at the end of the day, for me, it's just a label. I, I personally, I don't really care what people call it. Uh, But when I'm asked, I do see it as a culture and an art form first. That's great. Candy. uh, I know we've talked about this, but
1: it's kind of growing in, 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 as he mentioned more into the mainstream of sports, but from your, from your early days to now, what have you seen?
2: I mean, again, this has been such a major, um, area of debate within our community. And, and again, when others watch it and uh, don't know the history, don't know the culture, it's, it's questionable, right? Because there's a, it's rooted in, um, a culture and, but it is like a very competitive dance and, What's amazing about breaking is that you can go literally in any avenue, right? So you can go in and go through a performer's route, go through entertainment, and now go through this new route of of, um, professional sports, Uh, whether it's uh, an artistic sport. Sure, that's what they want to name it here. I think it's, um, again, there's space for everybody. There's enough for everybody, and it's grown into, within the youth, where it fits if it it's a gap that's missing between um where dance is mainly traditional european eurocentric dances like ballet um and now it's fit this gap where this the competition allows, um, that more athleticism, more, um, organized, I would say competitions to flourish. And again, creating more opportunity for jobs, for coaches, for judges, for, um, you know, just management. So people can go in and say, I want to go and and learn how to produce an event, or I want to go and be a trainer for, for specifically breakers. Um, I do a lot of, uh, you know, just, Uh, injury prevention. So now we have athletes that (laughs) that do injury prevention and are specific within our dance because it's needed. Mm -hmm. So, and I agree exactly um, how Phil feels, because I think those that are rooted in the culture understand that, you know, They, they understand that what you're really doing is you have an opportunity to express yourself on whatever platform and you'll do it regardless. But why not pave a way where you can actually do what you love and make a living from it? I think that's this, this opportunity with the Olympics is giving that to many people if yeah. they take it. Exactly. You know, if, if, if
1: it and, and, and the nature of, of any Olympic sport is it opens up a a whole new world for the, these young kids who are sitting down, you know, once every two years with the summer and winter to watch it, and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, what's this?" So, in keeping with the Olympic Day, let's move theme of the, the podcast. How have your thoughts changed about the Olympics over the years, Phil?
0: From way back when you were a kid, you know. Um, you know what, to be completely honest, I never really watched the Olympics growing up. (laughs) Um, I was never into sports. I like, I loved breaking and breaking was kind of like all I put my time into. I'm actually like a very uninteresting person, like outside of breaking. Um, because like I grew up watching breaking, breaking was my basketball, my football, like that equivalent for many people. I grew up, um, and I'm very fortunate now to be competing against the people I grew up watching, Mm. you know? So this has kind of been my, this is my everything. And so, um, I can't really answer that question super well. I will say it has changed because now I am on the path to kind of going to the Olympics. So I do pay attention a lot more now of other athletes. And I am interested. Um, I've been watching a lot more like shows and documentaries and just seeing like how other uh, Olympic athletes, uh, their training process, the the pressures that kind of come with that, uh, which we're starting to experience a little bit of. Um, so I am more genuinely curious about other athletes and other sports um, kind of going into the Olympics and the whole process, you know, the whole process of how an Olympic Day works. Uh, how the qualification systems of different sports works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I never really grew up watching it, so um, it's hard for me to answer that question. That's cool. To be <laughs> That's cool, Candy. I, I
2: I mean, again, this is what this is what we want is uh, young people to be interested in mm-hmm. this avenue. Again, um, I grew up watching the Olympics. I played a lot of sports in high school uh, and, and and in middle school. Um, so track and field was one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, and again, for breaking to be an Olympic sport, if you would have told me that when I started breaking back in the day with my sisters, um, I, I, I it wasn't something that that we can imagine, right. you know, um, because of the fact of how creative the dance is and how subjective it is to each person. And so, seeing it now um, and the the work it takes to to be on, you know, to be on this world stage. I do want to say though, as it is, you know, it does um, give people that don't know about our dance, it does give it more respect because of the Olympics. And I I think that's what, because of the Olympic name and because of the high level and what it stands for, um, it allows, uh, you know, our artists and our dancers and our breakers, an opportunity for even their families to appreciate them more for the years of work, you know. Yeah. The the PhDs, I would say, in breaking. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Now that it's like, oh, you know, like even my family, like I need a candy. She's on the Olympic channel, you know. Like, and um and I've been you know doing commentating for breaking since you know 2018, and so um like you know, and I've been doing, you know, things like this, but but now that it's on the Olympics, um, it does give them another chance to say, oh, this is something. This is something that we should look at and respect and and, and something that the youth and, and younger people should get into because it allows them again this uh this really great opportunity to express themselves, but also to take care of themselves because it takes a lot to be yeah. filled. <laughs> like he yeah. has to take yeah, you know?
1: We're, we're going to get into that. Uh, Phil, in tying in the let's move mantra for this Olympic day, I'm curious how you, you touched on it, but how has your world evolved from, you know, the old days, breaking for fun to now a career, you know, the Olympic path, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a job a little bit now, even though, you know, I can tell you love it when you're out there, mm-hmm. but you got you to gotta do battles through injuries, you know, you might not be feeling your best that day, but it's a job. How do you keep it fresh for yourself?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like for me, honestly, first and foremost, it has always been about having fun. Like I love just breaking. Like I love doing this day in, day out. It doesn't mean that some days are hard, um, but I think that's also just life. Like, I mean, I love living life, but you have bad days, right? Um, It has become more of a job definitely, Um, just in general. And I've had to kind of adapt and learn certain things. There's a lot more media things that I have to do. There's a lot more (laughs) with sponsors, a lot of sponsorship kind of commitments that I have to work through Um, things that I'm not used to. But honestly, like I kind of love it all because it's different. You know, like I never thought I would be here with breaking, honestly, like when I was growing up as a kid and I started breaking, I did it for fun. I did it as something just like a hobby to do when I was able to start making a living off of it. I was super excited. And to see like where it's going now, it's honestly just exciting for me so like i take everything with kind of like a uh, as a blessing everything now is honestly just kind of a bonus for me like i i lived my life thinking that like i wouldn't able to do much and to fact to to be kind of going on the olympic pathway the olympic platform and also besides that just like making a living off of breaking even prior to to kind of the olympic stuff i see all of this kind of as a bonus so i take everything i try not to take everything for granted again doesn't mean that there are days that i don't want to do this that there are days that are hard but like i show up every day and i just kind of do it um and especially with breaking like it's taught me so much. Breaking is literally like just the act of, of showing up every day has taught me so much discipline, so much commitment and the fact that there's going to be bad days, but you can find like the joy in every day. Like even if I have a really bad practice, I can find uh, something in there that's productive, something that's joyful. And I kind of take that mentality um, through all of this as well. That's an incredible uh, approach. And
1: speaking of approaches, uh, the approach to fitness uh, has changed in preparation for the battles with the elite of the world. Uh, <clears throat> I, it, it, and I'm wondering if it if it's been um, major for you recently, or if you've had to do these, you know, just get your body in shape for years.
0: Um. Honestly, again, I think I was just lucky. Like <laughs> prior to a lot of this, and and. um Uh, I was working with a personal trainer prior to all of this Olympic stuff. Like before any of this started, I was, I've always been into fitness. Like I never really grew up playing sports competitively or anything, but I was always a very active kid. Um, I started working out. Uh, probably like three or four years into my career of breaking. Um, and I've been consistently working out with the trainer since like 2016, 2017. Um, so before all of this started, I was working uh, with a personal trainer. I always took care of my body. I was really into conditioning. I was really, I, I was so, I, I was very obsessive with breaking and I still am. So I always looked at how can I extend my career for as long as possible. There are a lot of people I looked up to like uh, Hong Ten, is an example, um, prior again to a lot of this Olympic stuff, who's been competing at a high level for a very long time. and. And I kind of looked at that and wanted to replicate that. So honestly. A lot of it was just luck. Like everything kind of happened at a a great time for me. And even going into a a lot of the qualifications this year, yes, it's very demanding, but also honestly, it hasn't been as demanding as uh, some of the years I've had in the past. Like I'm really bad at saying no to opportunities. So I've said yes to a lot of things. And so I've been competing like week in week out for the last few years. So um, I'm kind of, I feel like my body's just kind of used to this. Yeah. You're good to go. And
1: Candy, you have seen it from, from your eyes, uh, for more years has it changed from your perspective with the way you see you know the top b-boys and b-girls in the world now
2: yeah i mean i just have to tell you like phil is like an anomaly you know like he has every time you see him he has a great attitude and i'm just curious like where does that come from you know because (laughs) your mindset to be young to go in and say it's, it's very much of a mindset that i had with the professional athletes within other sports that I've had. And mainly my background is like um within sports therapy with basketball players. So I've worked with with all the best. And I see the same mindset in that sense of looking for the gratitude in each situation, moving forward and, and just feeling lucky for the opportunity. But where where does that get? Because I mean you started young, right? 11? Like yeah, where, yeah, 11 then. where do you where does where does that how is that nurtured? You know, because there's parents out there, that will be listening that they're looking at their little B-boy and B-girl Olympian, you know, and, and, and I'm just wondering, you know, where does that come from?
0: Um, I don't know. I think honestly, like I, I just, I truly do feel grateful. Like I don't, and and being completely honest, like I never thought I'd really do much with my life. Like, um, and I grew up like watching superheroes, watching anime, and I truly feel like I'm kind of living that life, and I just really am grateful for that. Um, and again, like I grew up watching the people that I compete against now. Like I grew up watching Victor, I grew up watching Menno, like the people that I looked up to that were kind of my LeBron James, like mm-hmm. I get to compete with them now. I get to hang out with them. They're like good friends of mine now. And so I truly just kind of am happy to be where I am. Again, that doesn't mean that like I complain sometimes, doesn't mean that there are bad days. There are days that I don't want to do this, but I think I can kind of zoom out and, and recognize for the most part that life is really good. And and I'm very lucky to do what I do and to make a living off of what I do. Um, And I would not be wanting to do anything else in the world. So I think I just try to think about that even on the bad days and um. I think now there's been a lot of pressure with the Olympic platform and, and kind of the road to get there and qualifications. But again, I kind of see everything as a bonus. I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. But before all of this, I told myself, if I lose, I lose. If I win, I win. I don't really care. And I think that's honestly the mentality that's kind of helped me uh, to perform well is because I do better when there's less pressure. And so I try not to put like pressure on myself at all. That's one of the keys
1: there. Uh, how, how do you project
0: You know, your sort of – uh, persona
1: of, you know, just having fun and always finding a way to work out. It's always been a part of your life. But how do you project that onto fans or younger people in this world that so desperately need to move a muscle, change a thought, be, you know, f- physically motivated, which creates better mental health? You know, what's your what's your mantra to them?
0: Um, honestly, like, do it for the love, as simple as it sounds, is like, if you're not really enjoying it, I would say take a step back a little bit or find ways to enjoy it like again doesn't mean that it's not hard that um there's always a struggle um but you can find the joy in everything i think i yeah. really think it's just a mentality thing like there's a positive uh outlook on on kind of any view on life and the, honestly the way i look at it my life is quite easy in comparison to a lot of people in the world and so i just kind of take everything as a blessing yeah uh
1: candy we've talked about this i've Told you this watching, and I, we talked about this a little before we started. Uh, I've been blown away by the sheer core strength, the endurance, the conditioning levels of of those guys and the the b boys and the b girls. And um, it's it's probably nothing new for you, Candy, but from for all the people out there who are new to this, who will be new to it when it comes to Paris, uh, what do you say to them? I'm, I, I mean, hello, welcome to our world, right? <laughs>
2: I mean, okay. Going back to the fitness aspect, it's really important to have uh, this this type of attitude, this growth mindset, when you're going to be the best of anything, right? If you're going to go and and decide I'm going to be the best just for myself, but then now you're putting yourself in these opportunities open up. When it comes to fitness side, obviously conditioning is really important, and so if if uh, and again, within our culture, it depends on kind of the areas that you live with in Canada. There's a really strong breaking culture. So he's from Toronto and that side is like really historic, well-known B-boys. Um, and that created. Uh, a lot of the influences that breaking is a part of. And then you're moving to the other side of Canada, Vancouver, which is a a completely different style in a sense of more foundational side. There's a lot of influences from Asia there. Um, A lot of it's obviously from the U.S., but um, I can see him mixing it all together. And when it comes to fitness, breaking has its own... Thing. I mean, I, the way I say about it is it, it doesn't it's not like a, a foundational where you can find its roots just in one activity. And so the ketesthetics is already there. We're already having to lift our bodies when you're learning just your very first freeze or even just full work, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and these things, this this type of form that you learn when you're starting out, if you have uh, mentors and teachers that will they'll show you then you gain that strength throughout your career um, and usually by 10 years it kind of just something clicks like you just see that click in, in in dancers around 10-ish years where now they they felt everything they know everything foundational and then now they can paint with they can paint with it they can play with it um but you do need to condition and so I see this a lot mainly with the females like the the women um there's a lot more conditioning that needs to happen outside of breaking, which is always a lot of fun to do other things and just break all the time. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah, that.
2: Yeah. But the ones that do break all the time is because they're like super. Into it, like they're obsessed with it. So Mm -hmm. they're looking at it like, again, like any type of art form, they're looking at it like I'm going in in every direction, how my shapes and the way I move, how I'm going to fall, you know, and you need that, you need that conditioning and strength to know how to, you know, control your body, control your space. Um, and so that's that's evolved, but it's always sort of been there, too, because of all the different influences that breaking has within the culture. And you mind you, it started in a place where the kids. With no fancy florists, mainly outside Yeah,
1: on, on asphalt, so, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. And it started there. And, and a lot of our pioneers, they were like, what, nine, 10, 11 years old, basically, when Phil started and. And they were creating a solution for a problem. And so to come from there to, to have what was this, the problem? I mean, life was yeah, the problem. Perfect. Life.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah, life was the problem and they had nothing to do that it had nothing to do with that. And right. so they created this this out of um an appreciation for music and appreciation for, you know, that saying, I'm going to look fresh, be fresh. And what does fresh mean to me, I'm going to make that the strongest. And so then everyone's like, oh, you know, connecting, but it also was about community. And so being together in a space, sharing energy with each other, you know, and, and yeah, there was a lot of terrible things going on, which is, which is, what it's about. There's a lot of terrible things, and then in sort of this sort of Phil's mantra of looking and appreciating what you're doing in that moment and how it, you know, how it, how it influences more people and how it spreads. And hip hop does that. You know, like breaking is part of a culture, and and or subculture, however people want to talk about it, but it is community, and and this is what really brings people together. It doesn't matter where you go. Um, within the culture you can express yourself through dance and not even speak the same language
1: yeah no we've Which, seen that for sure phil uh you say 25 hours a week working out or uh, conditioning what does that entail
0: yeah I, I say like 25 hours a week of like a cumulative time training right um working out most days like uh, especially now i mean that that number varies that i would of say course. is like when i training. Um, when I'm traveling, that's obviously less if I'm preparing for a competition, like on the road, it's a little bit less. Um, but I'm working out usually most days, like if not every day. So I work out like five to seven days a week. Um, maybe two or three times with a personal trainer. Um, and what that, what exactly? Because, you know, I want kids to tune yeah. in and say, hey, that's what B-Boy Phil Wizard's
1: doing. I'm going to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, for me, my focus has a lot of been like, I, I like experimenting first and foremost. Um, even with working out, I see it as like another form of, of kind of how I approach breaking. A lot of my breaking practices are experimental. And so I kind of do the same thing where a few days a week when I'm working with my personal trainer, we have kind of a regiment that we go through. um, And that's focused a lot on like strength, power and hit. so explosive strength, we're looking on, uh, explosivity with, uh, and I work with a lot of weights and stuff too, but working on that explosive strength because breaking is very explosive. Sure. We want to be able to dynamically move from one position to another, uh, very quickly. And at the same time, um, because of the short duration, um, of rest in between, uh, I'm incorporating a lot of hit workouts as well. Uh, so maybe some CrossFit style workouts, some high intensity workouts where, uh, it'll be like 30 seconds on 20 seconds on 30 seconds on 20 seconds on to kind of replicate the format of, uh, what? a breaking competition will feel like. Um, honestly, for me, the the trainings that I do, like uh, working out with my personal trainer are a lot more difficult for me than a competition is. Um, and I think that's important for my training because then when I go into an actual competition, it doesn't feel that hard, right. uh, to be completely honest. Um... So working out, it's a lot of explosive movements, uh, stuff like that. And then I have a few days where I just experiment. I love just going on Instagram or YouTube and finding like different movements that people are doing and just trying them out again with breaking, we're, we're using our body in a lot of different ways. And so I try to incorporate that into how I work out as well, finding different avenues, working on flexibility, working on strength through those, uh, uh, large ranges of motion as well. And then when I'm actually training, um, everything that I do within breaking, there's a lot of different components that I work on, but it's all rooted within freestyle because for me, this has always been a freestyle dance. Uh, So I'm always finding new music Uh, within my practice. I'm creating new movements. I'm drilling uh, my moves. I am experimenting, trying to find new moves. Um, I am learning new skills and I'm just exchanging with people as well. Busy man. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) uh, What about like after, you know, stretching and pliability and meditation? What like, how do you how do you taper down? And then I want to ask you about Um, your diet, you know, those things. I'm just trying to get into the nuts and bolts here.
0: Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. I think like um, over the last, I would say like year and a half, I learned like my job as an athlete is to uh, uh, definitely take care of myself mentally and physically as much as possible. That's kind of like your role, Mm -hmm. you know, so mentally for me, it's like oftentimes when I'm uh, on the road, like, for example, social media is kind of part of my job. It's part of what I have to do. When I'm at home, like, I don't have Instagram on, uh, on my phone um, because that honestly is like a huge uh, mental kind of a detox for me uh, where I'm not comparing myself to other people where I'm not seeing what other people are doing and I kind of just focus in on my life. Amen. Um, definitely most mornings I'm doing meditation. Um, I do a lot of cold showers. So the moment I wake up, I do cold showers. Usually after training, if I have the opportunities, I'll hit the sauna, I'll hit another cold bath, stuff like that. I'm kind of stretching throughout the day. Um, and I'm also just like constantly kind of thinking of breaking. Um, I think mental training is a huge thing. So even when I'm not on the floor, even when I'm not at training, even when I'm not working out, I'm kind of always thinking about breaking. I'm thinking of new moves, thinking about the next thing to do. I'm thinking about what my training day tomorrow will look like. And I'm trying to get myself kind of pumped up for it as well.
1: Wow, that's that's a lot. Uh, is that That's a little different than maybe what you were doing, Candy, when you were starting out? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, very different. I think in, in our sense, uh, the, the mental aspect wasn't really emphasized. Right. You know, the emotional aspect wasn't really... Emphasize. I think that um, going in through spaces where there isn't a lot of privileges that you you get to express within the dance um, the things that are bothering you. So you use it as therapy, yep. even though it is a type of therapy. I would. not I think now it's more emphasized to actually have that type of support um, to help you emotionally and mentally, especially for athletes. It's really important. Um, but yeah. I mean, again, when you love something, if you got, if you love it, you want to do it all the time. And if you're in, when you become a breaker, like when you break, you just want to dance all the time. You know, my, my, my oldest right now, they love breaking again. They grew up in the culture and they stopped for a little bit. And then now they're dancing again. And they're like, mom, you know, Tia Cindy told me that uh that you guys used to break like eight hours a day till like three in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, it was actually four in the morning. Yeah, Dita's garage. And like you guys used to dance like all the time. And I was like, Yeah, how'd you guys do that? Like, how'd you dance for like hours? And I was like,
1: because
2: <laughs> we loved it. We love it. We danced, we could dance all day. And it wasn't just dancing, it was training. We were in there, you know testing each other and trying new moves and trying different music and okay, how, how do you feel with this song? You know, it was slower. So we need to, you know, slow it down a little bit or, you know, it was, it's, it's not just um, it was different in the sense of, again, I was always into sports. So, so I was, I love working out as well. And um, I was a lifeguard when I was young. So I was swimming a lot, super athletic, um, I guess, lifestyle, but but it's not in this conscious way of of when you become a professional athlete and you're and you're saying this I represent this and so I'm going to do this in, in the best cap, you know capability. Obviously, right now I'm not a professional athlete anymore, <laughs> and uh, and I was always there as a supporting role um, throughout the years. I think the the B girls have such an opportunity with the Olympic pathway um, to to again, there's, there's, there's gaps to be filled there. And, um and, and again, this is why when I'm listening to Phil, that, that he is a champion in that way, in the way that he approaches the dance to release himself of the pressure. And you can see that when, when you're, when you're dancing, like you can see that when, when you dance and, and when you're, when you're battling. And I've seen you battle on different platforms, right. As, and as an audience member, just like as a fan to of of the culture um when someone like that is just being themselves and is so present in the moment and because the training shows that they can improvise anything and i think this is why you're you're a champion and why it doesn't matter what the judging system is because you're just so authentically you in there and whether you're an artist or an athlete or whatever that's what you want to just be as a person you know, there's people out there that's hard to just be themselves. And when you're out there and you're smiling and you're going around for around and it's like a tough, it's a tough game you guys are playing out there because, again, you show up and you're like, all right, what am I going to do today? You know, <laughs> what song is going to play? Who's the DJ going to be? You know, who's the host going to be? What the crowd's going to be like? Like, there's so many factors that have you have no control over. And yet you still have to go out there high level and be you. And um, and that's hard. That's hard, like really hard to do. I didn't. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you have to prepare like that to to be a champion in this in this in whatever landscapes, mind you. Even within the Olympics is a great opportunity, but breaking has always had these high level events, and it's just so great that now it's being exposed to the world, and and yeah, in my time again. We grow to there right <laughs> um and and i think yeah the the training physically but also emotionally mentally i think it's even even more important
0: that's for um sure. i just want to add to that like what you said earlier on i think like for me too it's, it is a lifestyle thing like I, this isn't just a job for me. I don't like kind of, kind of clock in and clock out, you know, like I'm constantly kind of working on myself mentally and physically. And I think that's kind of the approach, at least what works for me, the things, everyone, everyone has their own approach. Everyone, it works differently for everyone. But for me, it's like, I don't really clock out ever. I'm always thinking about it mentally, physically, always trying to work on myself and kind of beyond. And I think like that's kind of what works for me. And so I see even competitions just as like another challenge as another way to work on myself. How can I get better? um Even if I don't win kind of thing. Um, but thank you. That's very kind of you. I appreciate the words. It's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> while we're talking yeah. culture, um, excuse me. Uh, uh, while we're
1: talking culture, it seems to me like like the crew and the events culture is very positive. You know, I've noticed like there's a little bit of gamesmanship in, in the battles, but there is a battle mindset certainly. But it seems to be based in mutual respect and passion for the sport. I would expect, you know, when I first came in, I'm, you know, I'm new to this the last year or so, I thought there would be a lot more sort of, uh, not anger, but, you know, confrontational kind of stuff. And I see it a little bit, but it's not real, you know, it doesn't seem real.
0: Uh, Yeah, it used to be. I think it's just a lot of change. Like, I think the culture was very different or the the competition kind of approach uh, has changed over the years. Um, I think, honestly, um, and this is before my time. I think Candy could probably speak better uh, than me on this. But, you know, people actually got in real fights. People would start fighting when they were competing back in the day. But um, that was, again, kind of before my time since I started breaking. And I think a lot has changed. But I think people have just kind of gotten friendlier in general um, overall. And I think people just recognize now that, like, uh, you don't really have to be mean to each other. Like uh, at the end of the day, it's just a competition that 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 life moves on, that um, it's not that serious. At least that's the way I look at it. But definitely it has changed because it used to be different. I've heard a lot of stories uh, of people telling me that it was different, that people would get into fights, that the aggression was real, that um, that that uh, a lot of the stuff that people do on the floor, they don't leave on the floor. They take it out. <laughs> well, it was uh, on, But I think that has changed. Yeah, it was on the
1: streets. Right. Ken? I mean, of course, it's going to yeah. be. You know
2: i mean that's how you settle things back in the day but again i think probably going into the early mid-2000s things started changing um pretty much because people started getting older right they're, they're maturing and so they're becoming you know they're they're now it's becoming a source of income and so also Um, the best are now forming together to work together to either perform shows or to battle together to do sponsorships. So there's different roles that are coming up where you can't behave that way anymore. You know, when you're young and you're the aggression is real. One thing is that because the oppression is real. So the aggression and the attitude is real. Right. And you'll see it now differently. Right. And in um in different events where you you feel and we call it passion when we're commentating but you can
1: see (laughs) yes
2: (laughs) uh, you can see the aggression and the hurt and the and the um and just the the emotions that is being bottled up that is coming and now it should be projected to the floor but now it's your opponent because you know the event it's a battle and in a battle, there has to be a winner. And so normally, you know, that, the other person, you have to defeat them and that there, there's that aggression. Um, I think the aggression now comes out in different ways, uh, but, but yeah, it's not as dangerous as it used to be, mm-hmm. which is better, which is why it's more available to the youth. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, I'm from Florida. It was, um, I, and, and mind you, I've, part of a female crew so my mom did not want us in those places <laughs>
1: and, well and it, then it
2: was like you know what what are you girls doing um but we were all together unified uh rolling up into a place and we stayed together but it wasn't always um also that that safety it, it wasn't known that you weren't safe either it was kind of kind of weird like mm-hmm. it wasn't really safe but somehow you felt safety within the community um right. but yeah I think it depends on what area you are, you will, and also the staging of the event. So how the person is producing the event. Sure, right. Whether you're going to have that energy to pro- to provide that sort of like closed-in energy, you'll see that there's a little bit more of that that passion. <laughs> but but yeah, no the the beef was real. Um, it got settled in different ways, mm-hmm. and it it, it, it lingered. But you know what? It also motivated people. It motivated people to say, I'm going to go to the next event and basically beat this person with his own moves or I'm going to travel. I'm going to get myself there um, because technology has really changed that. Mm -hmm. It's changed the access to you being able to see the best at a click of a button. You don't have to travel to the person's city to see them anymore. Uh, And the exchange too, right? You learning from your favorite dancers or your favorite uh, breakers. So yeah, I think I answered your question.
1: Yeah, no, that was great. <laughs> yeah, no, it took me right into it. Uh, talking about uh, the crew and I've come to learn that you guys love it when, what whatever it is, you love it when the, when the crowd is right there, it's, it's gotta be, I know you've, you've, you've battled in some, some venues we've done live streams from that are, A little bit distant, but isn't it how much more fun is it for you to have the people packed in right there, whether they're your crew or the other crew or, you you know, you want human beings and energy, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the last few events that I've been at in terms of like the WDSF events at FEES and at the Pan American Championships, uh, those were great examples of... Uh, having that energy, yep. um, it makes a huge difference. It kind of changes. Honestly, it can change the tide of the battle because uh, we feed off that energy. Sure. Honestly and truly, it's hard to kind of grasp through a screen. But when you're actually there, it it, it gives you that fire to do the extra round or, or to give to to push that extra little bit. Um, when the crowd is far away it kind of, for me, at least the way I can relate it is it feels like I'm just at practice. Like I don't really right. hear them. I'm just with the music and which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, when we're on a stage, it's like, I can't, that fire doesn't really come out. Right. Um, especially with the Pan American championships, I was lucky cause I had my crew kind of behind me and I, they're some of my closest friends. So to have that energy on your back too, it gives you that extra motivation of like, Oh, I'm not just winning for me. I'm kind of winning for my boys too, you know? So um, it definitely changes uh, the atmosphere and it can it can change the outcome of the event as well.
1: Yeah, it's a better uh, live stream event for us too when, when you know, we can see a little bit of the controlled mayhem all around there. But I, now I want to ask you, B-Boy Phil Wizard, what does dominating feel like today? And you'll probably be <laughs> humble, but, I mean, look what you've done in, in recent times, the reigning world champ, et cetera, et cetera, winning all the time. Um, I
0: know well what does it feel like um honestly like i i truly do not see it that way like the again the people that i compete with and against are the people that i've looked up to like my entire life mm. i don't see it as dominating and i think within breaking the thing is like i could win and i have been winning fortunately for the last little bit but i could lose tomorrow like you know it's always a toss of a coin you never know you show up one day someone can beat you and so i take that mentality of like right. i'm going to lose tomorrow eventually like i'm going to lose one of these days i'm just going to keep trying to do my best i'll ride this for as long as i can hopefully i keep winning but if i lose i'll lose um but honestly and truly i don't do this to win like i do this because i love what i do um my goal was never to be I wanted to be the best, but my goal was never to be like, I want to win everything. My goal was to sustain myself and to be able to do this for as long as I can. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to be doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, but I truly don't see it as like, I'm number one, I'm dominating. Honestly, like when I saw my ranking list and I saw number one, I was like, really? Like I'm number one? That's kind of like surprising <laughs> to me, to be completely honest. Um, but it feels so good. I truly really don't feel like, right. yeah, of <laughs> It feels good to be able to say that I'm number one. I think like outwardly it looks good like my parents are happy and yeah stuff. Yeah. But honestly for me i don't i don't go into it being like oh yeah i'm the best i always try to go into a battle like thinking that i'm the kind of underdog like i don't want to uh, think that i'm the best I, I go into it knowing that like any of these people can beat me so i'm gonna do my best every single time and i'm gonna do my best against each opponent because you really never know yeah
2: that's the strategy of a, a champion I mean, again, because you're looking at it, it's important in in any sport that you do that you have an attitude like that. And I I think it's, and this is why I'm glad that you're on a platform like this, Phil, because a lot of people are not like that within our dance, you know, and they put so much pressure on themselves, especially the young young elite kids. Mm -hmm. They put so much pressure on themselves to win and um, winning is everything, you know, and it's, Like um, to be able to hear someone like you say, look, you know, you got to love it first. You got to know yourself first. You got to love yourself first. You got to be doing the things that make you feel good. And then it doesn't matter what the outcome is. You're going to, you're going to feel good regardless. You're going to learn from it. You're going, to you know, and so I think it's just so cool to, to hear that from a champion. Um,
1: Well, your words are so important, particularly for this, you know, uh, Olympic Day, let's move, you know, a little bit focusing on good mental health because kids especially get caught up in, and, you know, social media is part of it, uh, winning, mm-hmm. winning, winning, and, it, you know, it's, the, it, it's you know, the old thing. It's the journey, not the destination, um, but it's hard to get that point across, and, and that the fact that Phil's out there is so important, and I hope you understand that.
0: Thank you. Um yeah and and like I think like through winning you kind of learn that like when you win an event it's like it's a high for like 10 minutes. You know, you win the event, it's nice and then what's next? You know, yeah. so you can't really rely on those moments. You just have to rely on like you, you uh, I sound, sound like Tom Brady. <laughs> 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 um but yeah. yeah. Uh
1: another fascinating thing in 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 looking at at your career and so forth, you talk about having a move book on your phone, Mm -hmm. uh, but that it sometimes inhibits your performance or like you want to kind of get it out of your mind and focus on having fun, being grateful and just enjoying the moment. So you, you have those things to remind you in your phone, but you almost have to then forget them.
0: Yeah, a little bit. So I do have a move list on my phone of kind of all the moves that I uh, that I have. Um, especially now it gets more difficult because it's two days events. So for me, like the big thing is I get jumbled up. Like the one day I've done a certain amount of moves. So I oftentimes, nowadays I'll reuse it just to see like what I've done. Um, but then I don't want to focus too much on it, for sure. Uh, for myself personally, the way I approach it like is more of a freestyle approach. Yes, I have my signatures, I have my movements. But when those moves come out, I just kind of let it go to the moment to the music to how i feel oftentimes it's just a moment's decision like i feel like doing this move i don't know if i can do it sometimes i don't know if this will hit but i feel it right now um and so i like that to take over as opposed to me where i competed a lot previously being like i'm going to do this 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 and having it already predetermined right. um and then i kind of am not in the moment i'm not listening to the music i'm not reacting with the opponent, the crowd nowadays, like the idea of a conversation, which is often spoken about within, within breaking in battles, um, really take that firsthand. Like if an opponent does something and I have something similar or it reminds me of a movement, I'll do that instead. Um, so sometimes I'll look at my move book just to be like, Oh, right. I've used this already, or I have this left because two day events, sometimes you get jumbled up on what you've done and have done yet. Um, so I'll sometimes look at it just for a quick reminder, but then I'll put it away and just, kind of enjoy the moment and, and, and try to really focus in on the moment.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, Candy, we've talked about this too. I, you know, I, I, as an athlete, you know, a lot of our stuff is, you know, practice makes perfect and free throws and all these basic things. But when I see uh, B B-boy Phil and so many of the others, I'm wondering, and you've tried to explain it to me, like, yeah, they're just feeling it. I'm like, that's crazy. They're hitting all these different things, but it isn't necessarily a routine, you know? It, like, can you talk us through that?
2: Yeah, so we're breaking, it's first, people get this, just like any dance, there's a foundation to it, right? So there's these foundational aspects of the dance. Just like if you learn any skill, there's a foundational aspect of it. And then you throw away all that, because <laughs> you got it.
0: So, <laughs>
2: Now you throw it away and then now that you can, now you create with that foundational stuff. But what Phil's really great at is that we can't tell. He's a very original dancer in the sense of you can't tell where, where something started and ended in a way that is traditionally set. So when he battles people that you can see every movie, you can name it. Then then and then Phil goes out and you can't name every single move that Phil does because you don't know what the name of it. He probably has some special name for it. Like you don't even know what what it was. Like, what was that? You blinked and you missed like probably three moves. That's what's that's the high level skill there, because then that means that you really mindfully have sat with the time to play with everything, you know, Mm -hmm. Throw it out and create something new from, and just from a feeling. And that's what it feels like. And again, you're, this is improvisation at the right. highest level. Improvisation right. on the music that you have no idea what they're going to play. Maybe you heard the song before, maybe you don't hear the song before. And you have to put yourself in that space to, to be with yourself and in your body. And, and that's, what's a so high level. If you just take dance on its own, most of the time if it's a if it's any other dance style, it would be um, quantitative in the sense of it would be there and they can you you know, how many spins do they do? Um, the, the legs have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like this. and there's different accents that you see where you could judge the inaccuracy. And in breaking inaccuracy is actually what you're looking for, right? You're looking for it to be weird and different. Because especially after you've seen hundreds of dancers, everyone will start looking the same. Mm-hmm. And so to be at this high level, when you're getting to like the finals and you got still moves left, why? Because you know your body so much. And like you said, I don't know if I'm going to hit this, but I think I hit it one time. I'm going to go for it, right? Yeah. With these new sports in the Olympics, this is the part that maybe some people may not like because our... our, our athletes are going to go for it yeah they're going to go for it in the finals mm-hmm. they hit and it may not hit if it hits woo, it's a gold yeah which is it's hit for him yeah right but again it's hard to explain in the sense of quantitative things yeah this is more on the aspect of of a feeling and and a catching and like i'm i'm curious to know phil what is the one I would say what is the one move that's like the move that is super needed in any round for you? Because I have an idea, but I just am curious for you because we were having this debate the other day. Again, my my oldest one now, she's they're 18 and they're dancing again. And so they're super into watching all the battles and and like, you know, now getting nerdy about it, which is great to me. <laughs> We were debating about this with my husband and them the other day, and so I'm just curious now, hearing from you, what what that is. What would that be? Yeah,
0: um, I think uh, first just to touch on what you're saying, um, like uh, improvisation is is something you can train as well. Like uh, um, it is a skill that you can hone, and I think for me, that's something that I've wanted to do, and what I've uh, why I feel like I have been performing well as well is not just in training, but in competition. I'm constantly trying to hone it. You know, and, and so I'm building up that experience over time. Uh, for me, just to answer your question, I do have like a little bit of a formula still. Um, for me, the biggest thing is I usually have an entrance move. So the way I start around, um, every time it's always different, but I usually have something to start with. And I usually have like, it's either something to start with, or I have like uh, what I call like a key point in my round, like just something that I really want to do. And it's not, it's oftentimes just, again, it's in that moment being like, I really want to do this move. Um, I don't know when I want to do it. Sometimes it's at the beginning, sometimes it's in the middle, sometimes it's at the end, but I use that as like a key point in my head of like, okay, this is the move I want to go. I don't know yet the pathway to get there. So I will improvise that part. I'll listen to the music, I'll kind of feel my body, see what my body's feeling in that moment, but I'll eventually get to that key point, that one move that I want to hit. Going to that move, at uh throughout that journey of getting to that one move, though I'll hit a bunch of different moves because it'll just happen naturally. In that moment, the way my body is, I'm like, oh, I can hit this shape, or like this feels very natural. And then eventually I'll get to this key point, and then I'll kind of phase my way out of it. But there's not necessarily like, yeah, my formula is really just having like one move that I have in my head that I wanna do. And then during that, I will hit a bunch of different moves as well. But I train that. Again, when I'm at training, that's the way I think too. When I'm going out and I'm practicing, I'm like, okay, I have this one move in mind, but I know even though that this is the key point, that I still wanna hit maybe three to five moves. And so I just know throughout that I'm going to be doing that, but I have this key kind of movement in mind. That's crazy. Uh,
1: Candy's taught me also, uh, well, a lot, as she knows, but um, that it's a conversation. Okay. I've gotten used to that. How much mm-hmm. of your conversation are you playing off what the battle is dictating from your opponent? Because uh, I know in the beginning, you know, you might, well, whatever you're doing, you might be a reaction. How much mm-hmm. is it swayed by the conversation? to let him know
0: whatever message you want to send him? How much of that? Uh, For me, a lot of it, uh, especially nowadays, recently, like, um, I think you can like the idea of a conversation too is different to each person. For yep. me, uh, what uh, how I view a conversation in, in the context of a battle is like when an opponent does something and I have something similar, or I know that I've done that before or tried it before, I can do it, or I can do it and add to it. And sometimes it's just in the moment. Sometimes I'll see something and I remember this happening in the Pan American Championships uh, against Victor. Victor um, did uh, I don't know what people call it for me, I just call it dead man's. It's kind of like flares with the legs closed. He did that to an air flare, and I have a move where i do that to the 90 um so i knew he he did that move and i knew i i have a version of that right and so i know i'm gonna play off of that he's i'm showing the judges i'm showing the crowd that he can do this i can do it too and i can do it my way a little bit differently and hopefully Mm -hmm. better uh so for me that's where the conversation comes in is showing that i can kind of respond to what the opponent is doing and it's not just pre-rehearsed i'm not just going out and doing my thing but i'm responding to what the opponent is doing as well
1: that's great how much uh of getting into the other breakers head goes on. I'm curious because, you know, and Candy, we've seen this, sometimes they're standing right, you know, they're standing just off the cipher and the B girls, they're gesturing, they're telling the judges that, you know, he doubled that up, she's already done this or done that. How much are you, I I know, I I can tell from watching you, Phil, that you're not really trying to intimidate, but I'm wondering in general, you know, are the, does that happen?
0: Hundred percent. I think it, a lot of people approach it that way. They will kind of talk to the opponents. Yeah. who you already did, that or stuff like that, to get into their head because I think it can totally psych a person out if they start second guessing themselves while they're dancing because then they're losing their focus. Right. If you're trying to focus in on the music, there's already so many aspects you have to focus in on Uh, your movements, uh, the music. Can I react to the opponent? How can I uh, attach my music, uh, my movements to the music? Now, if you have the opponent kind of starting to try and talk to you and psych you out, it's another thing that jumbles up your head. So I think it definitely is a factor. It's not something I particularly like to play in because for me, um, I just honestly, I love breaking. So when I see something cool, I'm going to give kind of props to sure. I'm going to give respects to the opponent um so I don't really dabble really in that and I try to focus on my own thing but I do think it's something that plays a role have for you seven. had I've to, been
1: distracted by it too yeah I was going to ask you as you've gotten better have you found a way a solution to that because maybe when you were just getting into it uh it, it, the battles and and professionally maybe you could tell it got to you and then you had to work on that
0: 100% I think it definitely got to me a lot earlier like earlier in my career but right. I think um, Experience is kind of key here. I've competed a lot um, and I've competed a lot frequently over the last few years. And so I think I just am a lot more comfortable on the floor. So I'm a lot more comfortable. It feels kind of like home to me. Mm-hmm. And so when people start talking, I'm calm enough that I can just register what they're saying and just kind of laugh it off. Um, or I'll play with it. If they say two times, I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll do it again. I'll do it another (laughs) time just to like play with them or something, you know? Um, but that comes from experience for me. It comes with becoming comfortable and it took a long time. I I still get nervous, but before it used to be like a crippling anxiety when I competed and it took a very long time for me to start getting very comfortable enough where I feel like almost like you're on my turf, like wherever I am, it, it doesn't matter where we are in the world, but the floor when we're competing feels like home to me. So I'm very comfortable. Yeah, that's
1: your world. Candy, uh, what's it been like in the process of, of, and I'm really proud of you because I worked with you, I've worked with you, you know, a a, a month or so ago, and your growth has been incredible. Uh, What's the process of reinventing or fine tuning your communication skills to become an outstanding breaking analyst and commentator? What's that that's what's that been like? I can tell you really enjoy it because you put in the time and I love that.
2: Oh, thanks. I mean, you know, honestly, we I started commentating on my sofa, watching Red uh, the the BC one events and um, with my with my homegirl, Susie, we used to sit, get pastries and watch and just like live vicariously through everybody. And um, and. I think now being on, on this platform and, and lending my voice, right? So being able to hear people say, oh my gosh, we hear you. My my daughter's listening to you. Um, you know, being able to have people that that look like me and sound different, you know, I think that's that's really important. And again, I've been in, in this culture for a long time and I've I've been there, battled with so many people throughout. Um and and I'm I'm underground. I consider myself an underground when I when I first started dancing back in the late 90s, um, just because I wasn't privileged enough to have all the things that 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 gave me the opportunity to travel. And now as an analyst um, and a researcher, you know, I I love it. I love watching it, especially within um, my background in sports medicine, um, my background within education and uh, philanthropy as well and sports. So it's all my loves and passions, and I get to share it. I mean, yeah, I'm I just like Phil says, when you love something that you're doing, it's it's just it's just fun to to be there and be a part of it. I was at first really nervous. And when I got the call and was like, hey, we recommended you for this, I was like, Where? I'm just chilling in Switzerland <laughs> with my kids, like I'm gardening, like I dance on my own, you know, with my three-year-old, like. What, what was going on and they're like no I think you'll be perfect and and I'm really grateful for that because it wasn't like I was putting myself out there to do it I, these opportunities to show up and I'm like right. oh great I'm ready for it um and and why not it took me a little bit of confidence to say yeah I could do that and yeah. now that I've been working you've been so so nice and I've been learning so much through it I mean last week we did just now I I did it by myself and it's simple. uh, See, it's uh, not hard. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs me? (laughs) And what's fun, what's fun is, um, one is being able to share the culture with people. And so people can understand what they're seeing. Secondly, being able to within the broad, you know, the broadcast aspect, our culture and dance, we look at things differently. So being able to say, Hey, we would rather not talk during the battles, you know, Want to hear the music? Yeah. I want people to hear the music. Exactly, um, being able to to hear the complaints before, and it's not just one broadcast. Like the, most of the time, when there's commentating, and then being able to to pe- feel like the audience is feeling heard when we did that, mm-hmm. and that was for me a win. And then also sharing um, what it little pieces because we're we're it's a lot. It's really um, complex, high level dancing. So to, to put it in one or yeah. two sentences and then be excited about it and also try not to be biased. So these are all different things that you have to practice. Yeah. And you know, Tom, I have like, what, how many, I know signals? I saw
1: those. <laughs> yeah. I, and also Phil, you should know she's gotten used to having people talk in her
0: ear. <laughs> I'm used yeah, to no, it. I imagine commentating is a very difficult thing to do. It's, like you said, it, I, there's it's, a lot different. Of it's different. It's <laughs> different.
2: Yeah, the preparation. Um, I have, you know, my, my husband helps me a lot because um again, there's there's different things you go through and you have to prepare mentally, but it's been really great to be given an opportunity to to have the Olympics open up a space for a female sports yep. commentator, you know. Yeah. And then and then I'm a B girl. So I'm like, you know, like, okay, I showed up, I'm doing it, I'm gonna get better each time. Um, but I do I do understand this this um I do understand breakers and I do understand what's going on um and what what should be seen and, and thankfully um I'm grateful that I can and keep it in in a space where there's a lot going on and yep. we have we have to share the most positive things yeah. that are that we see
1: You've done a great job of just limiting you know talking less it's it's hard to say, what you want to say in a short period of time, because then it, you know, you're moving on and you've done a great job of, of expressing yourself clearly and, you know, and concisely, which is, is crucial. Uh, familiar question, had to ask it, Philip Kim. So how do you arrive at the I know, but people want to hear you tell the story of the nickname B-Boy Phil Wizard.
0: Uh, yeah, my name just derives from my original crew. Um, so when I started, uh, my very first crew, my local crew uh, that were just kind of with my friends was called the Wizards Crew. Um and then uh my name, like people would just announce me Phil from the Wizard's crew, and eventually just kind of got natural naturally shortened to Phil Wizard. Um, I think honestly, like a lot of people, I actually don't really like my name that much, but it's kind of <laughs> my but, identity. But so it, I've got to live with it. You are a bit of a wizard, whether
1: you want to like that or not. That.
0: <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people kind of associate me with that word and stuff now too. So I I'm coming to enjoy it and like okay. it. Um, but it's definitely something that happened naturally, which I do like about that it's not something that i just was like oh this is cool i'm going to use this as my name it 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 is a uh, it pays homage to how i started and Perfect. i think that's important for me it's not a crew that i represent now and that crew's disbanded um but it still kind of reminds me of of how i started so it's important for me to have that yeah it has a good ring to it all right we're
1: winding down here this is this is an, another really interesting one for me looking ahead to paris 2024 who whoever thought that you know that would be part of a B-boy or B-girl's path, but how will breaking change the Olympics? And then how will the Olympics change breaking? And you're both, you know, this is a conversation. This has been great.
0: Uh, yeah I mean I think for 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 breakers again it's opportunity it's an opportunity to showcase what we do on um, a platform that we typically don't have access to um on something that had like candy mentioned before that has oftentimes like worldwide recognition uh, breaking is still honestly a very niche Community it's mm-hmm. a very small community culture yeah. um and so it gives it that uh the, that recognition that often um that is not typically associated with it. When you say something is in the Olympics, immediately people recognize that. So I think that's what breaking gets from the Olympics. I think uh, on the other side, um, honestly, I think the Olympics is lucky to have breaking because it's like... I honestly don't feel like people have have asked me this like what do you say to the naysayers what do you say to the people that are saying that breaking shouldn't be in the Olympics it's not a real sport I just say wait and watch like I think people will recognize how exciting it is uh, the energy that comes from it the atmosphere uh, the love and the different Uh, approach than all the other sports. Like I think breaking has an energy um, that is rooted again in hip hop culture that hip hop brings to the world, not just within breaking, but the other aspects and the other elements um, that is kind of untouched within that realm. So I think it's going to bring something new and exciting. And I think obviously um, on like the Olympic strategy or whatever, it brings youth. It brings the youthfulness because there's a lot of young and youthful energy that'll come from it. Um, And another benefit, at least for us, and I think just kind of a mutual benefit um, is the growth with of breaking? Um, I think there will be a lot of people, especially kids, that will see breaking that have never seen breaking, that have never uh, witnessed breaking before. So that will open up uh, for the Olympics as well as for the breakers to, for sure. to to expand our community and culture more, but to bring new viewership uh, for the Olympic platform yeah. as well.
1: And I think that's what the IOC's tried to do with you know going urban, going young, going yeah, li- totally. lifestyle and
0: I mean, different stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Candy, your thoughts about that?
2: I think, again, I totally agree with everything that Phil is saying. I think on the aspect of what the Olympics is giving breaking, one of the major things is that it's causing on a global front infrastructures within what development of a sport means. So it's allowing things like safety, injury prevention, um, safety for athletes, and then also that pathway development of breaking um, within this this landscape. I think that's really important. And I think that there's there needs to be more emphasis, um, and I see it more on organizing um or uh you know, breaking and breaking community organizing themselves better in yep. that infrastructure that looks like. I can super go in there all day and nerd out on that. But um I think that's besides obviously the the um the benefits for the athletes as uh, individual um, performers and a route that is sustainable through a long period of time for them. Um, I think the highlight highlighting them is even more important, and so um, that's what I think the Olympics is doing and giving that acknowledgement for the years of hard work mm-hmm. it takes at this level. Um, and I think breaking again. Um, was brought into the Olympics to do exactly what it's doing, right? The the Paris Olympics is sold out for breaking within the first you know day. Um, that in itself just shows the impact of what breaking can do, um, or it's already doing, mm-hmm. uh, you now for for the Olympics. And again, giving opportunities like here I am now as a, a commentator. Uh, so the, these these things. I think are really important. Um, I, I'm grateful for, for the fact that um, people are becoming educated on the process because I think that part is important for these athletes, especially the younger ones that are coming up. Mm-hmm. And they're becoming more informed so that they can make better decisions on their careers that they're forming. Yeah. Um and so being able to have real um infrastructure in place to take care of these uh, to take care of the development of breaking internationally I think it's important.
1: That's a great but, point.
2: But that, that I think that's really one of the main things that I've noticed um the Olympic pathway since 2014 the idea of it coming out and what it's how it's grown is that development within the communities of sustainable um, opportunities for people to actually live off of breaking. Yeah. That's,
1: that's great. Uh, Phil, what would it mean? Uh, you know, I know it's a long way down the road, but you know, I'm not going to jinx you, but you know, you're, you're in a great position. You have a lot more work to do. We both know that, but what would it mean to represent Canada uh, at Paris um, 2024?
0: Yeah, it would be, it would be again, it is not something I ever envisioned in my life. Right. Um, So it's, uh, it's provided me like this whole Olympic pathway uh, more than anything. um, I'm very grateful for the sponsors, the, the support, Mm -hmm. the kind of platforms that I get to speak on and and perform on. But more than anything, it's provided me like um, a perspective of possibility um, of like, wow, like we can do things that I never thought I would do in my life. And that I never thought, uh, I would go. And I, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful um, for that opportunity. And, and yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to hopefully represent Canada at the Olympic Games. I think I am, as I had said before, coming in with that same approach of gratitude, like this is truly like not something I envisioned in my life. And so the possibilities seem endless for me. And I'm thankful for that perspective that I've gained uh, from this whole experience. And I'm thankful uh, to represent my country through that. Yeah. And absolutely. My last thought is,
1: uh, you know, with with great accomplishment comes great responsibility. So uh, as you continue to progress, you understand that that, you you know, you got to pay it forward, but you got to pay it back. And, you know, it seems to me that's that's right in your wheelhouse to to be able to to um, really help the next generation of up and coming B-boys and B-girls.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think, uh, like anything, we do have to do that. Uh, uh, I am very fortunate, again, to be in the position that I am. I am uh, 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 benefiting a lot from these opportunities, and I definitely hope to pay that forward um, uh, after the Olympics and beyond. Awesome.
1: Uh, Candy, final thought. I, I If I've missed anything, you know, you always, and she does a great job if I miss something, or she's not afraid to correct <laughs> me, which I like. <laughs>
2: Thanks. <laughs> no, I think it's been great to learn more. Again, I'm I'm, I'm the highlight for me is just kind of confirming um the the mindset that you have in the way that you approach um you being a champion and you in and your dance and and just your career. And I think that is what I hope people could take out, take, take away from you know, speaking with you because it is so important to have um, that type of mindset um in life anyway but it's just as a you know proven champion um i think that was to me it's just really special so uh i just wish you the best uh I, I'm, I'm excited uh to continue seeing you know where you go and how you grow through this and again i've been watching you for a, a while and it's just really cool that we get to be on this together again unexpected things unexpected things <laughs> They bring you to all these possibilities. So I totally believe in that um and and when you're ready for the opportunity, you know, it's there for you. Um you know, luck is that, you know, preparation meets opportunity. So uh here we are um on the Olympic podcast talking about breaking in the Olympics. It's great. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been a blast for me certainly. I mentioned in the beginning and uh, totally appreciate uh both of you taking some time. I think we really hit the let's move, which was important, and the Olympic Day celebration to keep that uppermost in our minds for for all the people out there. Um, B-Boy Phil Wizard and B-Girl Candy, thank you so much. We look forward. I'll see you soon, Candy. And, Phil, I'll be watching you, and uh, you have a new fan. I'm totally, I'm totally bought <laughs> in now. I didn't know what this was a year and a half, two years ago. I'm all in. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate Bye. it. And thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, great. This is the Olympics.com podcast. 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 So there you have it. Everything you wanted to know, needed to know about this growing sport, combining peak athleticism and artistic self expression. The world will get a crash course coming up next year at the Paris 2024 Olympics. Remember, 32 total spots available for Breakings debut in Paris. Total gender equality 16 B boys. 16B girls. Two already grabbed at the African Breaking Championships but so much left to be decided in the cipher in many competitions in many countries. Much more on breaking just a click away here on olympics.com Breaking's original content here, Breaking Life. Discover the world of breaking through the eyes of five young dancers practicing this new Olympic sport around the globe. That's five episodes. Olympic Qualifier Explainer, Breaking. Olympic outposts, breaking's best takes over South Korea and the sport. Heroes of the future meet the top-ranked American B-girl taking the sport by storm. And of course, many VOD, that's video on demand, of live breaking championships, including last year's WDSF World Championships in Seoul, dominated by none other than Phil Wizard. That's it for this episode of the olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback. Helps us to get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter at TK Sports Tweets. We'll see you next time.
0: For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on olympics.com.